0: This is day 203 of our daily Bible reading. We will be reading John chapters 11 through 15. Lord Jesus, we love coming into your word. We love spending time here and learning about your nature, your character, and what we are called to do. We thank you, Lord, for giving us hope and giving us wisdom, for giving us the strength to fight against this sinful world and against ourselves. Lord, as we spend time in your word, please help us to be strengthened and to increase in wisdom and understanding so that we may change our lives in such a way that honors you. You have said, Lord, that the world is ripe for the harvest, and you need harvesters. May we understand this more deeply, that we are the harvesters, and we need to go out and we need to share the gospel. Please bless the reading of your word in your holy name. Amen. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was this Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go, so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house, and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that, She was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him, and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council, and were saying, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, All men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people, and that the whole nation not perish. Now he did not say this on his own initiative. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather together into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. Therefore, Jesus no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews, but went away from there to the country, near the wilderness, into the city called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went up to Jerusalem out of the country before the Passover to purify themselves. So they were seeking for Jesus, and were saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he was to report it, so that they might seize him. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for three hundred denarii and given to poor people? Now he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Therefore Jesus said, Let her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The large crowd of the Jews then learned that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, "'Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel!' Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, "'Fear not, daughter of Zion! Behold, your King is coming, seated on a donkey's colt!' These things his disciples did not understand at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things to him. So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify about him. For this reason also the people went and met him, because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, The whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it, and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself but he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was going to die. The crowd then answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. But how can you say, The Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, for Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes, and He hardened their heart, so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart, and be converted, and I heal them. These things Isaiah said, because he saw His glory, and He spoke of Him. Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men, rather than the approval of God. And Jesus cried out, and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me, Sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. During supper, the devil having already been put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, And taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not only wash my feet, but also wash my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you for he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet, and taken his garments, and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another, at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered, That is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. Now no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were supposing, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, Buy the things we have need of for the feast, or else that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you? and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Helper, that he may be with you forever, that is, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I go to the Father, and the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let us go from here. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If any one does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch, and dries up, and they gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, that you may go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have both seen and hated me, and my Father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word which was written in their law. They hated me without a cause. When the Helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, that is, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. Okay, so let's examine a few things in today's reading. So beginning in chapter 11, we have the story about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. We identify Mary as being the one who wiped Jesus' feet with her tears. And this is the same woman who is going to anoint Jesus' feet with a very expensive perfume. He loves this family and he loves them so much. And yet, in their eyes, he could have prevented the death of Lazarus. And he very much could have. But he did not for a reason. And at first, they didn't understand why he did that. But he explains here why he did that. Because, for one, he wants to show a sign of his deity that he is master over life and death. But not only that, but he's using it as an illustration for how he's going to be raised. So he's going to be dead for several days, and he's going to be in a cave, in a tomb, and there's going to be a stone rolled over it. And so you see very similar imagery as you would when he was buried himself. So you see these precursors in here. So he knew that Lazarus was going to die and he waited intentionally for him to be dead for a few days, so that when he raised him, that would be a miracle. If it were, say, just a couple hours after he supposedly had died, there would have been that off chance where he was not really dead, and therefore he didn't perform a miracle, so on and so forth. But they waited until Lazarus' body was stinking with decay before he did it to show that he was truly master over all life. That's why he says to his disciples in verse 14, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. If I was there, I would have saved him. But we intentionally waited not to go, so that you can believe that I am the Christ, because I am going to raise him from the dead. And Martha didn't understand either. Because when Martha comes to greet Jesus, he says, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, yeah, I know, at the resurrection, at the end days. But that's not the resurrection that he's talking about. He's talking about a resurrection he's going to do right now. But more specifically, he gives another I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? We have to ask ourselves the same question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? We have to. This is an essential thing that we must believe as Christians. If we don't think Jesus resurrected from the dead, or that he is not master over all creation, then he's not God, and therefore your salvation is irrelevant, because it doesn't exist. Even if someone dies physically, God will save that person, and they will live spiritually and eternally. Not only do we see Jesus demonstrating his deity, but we also see a compassionate human side of Jesus because he was overwhelmed with grief, and he wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And they said, look how much he loves him. But guess what? He weeps for us too when we grieve him. He weeps for us when we're lost. He grieves for our salvation as well. So that's how much he loves us. He is willing to die for us and to weep for us how beautiful is that, right? We don't deserve this. Then we see something very interesting here in chapter 12, around verse 36 and 37. He said all these things to these people, and then he went away and hid himself from them. And though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. Well, why? It's so strange why they don't believe him. Well, here's the answer. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, Lord, who has believed our report? and to whom has the armor of the Lord been revealed? So we show that these verses are summarizing the ministry of Jesus and why they are rejecting Him. And it's equated with what Jesus has been saying, that He and the Father are one, the Father is in him and He is in the Father. So, if you're rejecting Christ, you're rejecting the God of the universe. You're rejecting the Father. And so that's what he is showing us here. But not only that, but this further explains the deity of Christ by the quotations from Isaiah, which is Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 6. Then in chapter 13, we have where Jesus washes the Disciples' feet. And this is a pretty dramatic scene, especially when it starts with all these other things put in, and then it says he got down on his knees and started washing their feet. Because, like it says, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, then he did it. That's something very significant. He had all authority on heaven and earth he had God the Father's full endorsement. Everything belonged to him, and he knew exactly who he was and where he was going. Then he did it. That is a very interesting statement in how all those things need to be lining up just so. So he is not only giving them a lesson in humility, being the supreme creator of the universe, getting on his knees and washing their feet, but it's just a portrayal of the kind of humility that we need to have with each other. We don't necessarily need to literally wash people's feet, but it's that act of submission and humbleness that we need to have with each other in Christian circles. Normally, a servant was performing this lowly task, but we have Christ, the teacher, coming and doing this. Peter didn't understand the lesson, because he's like, no, I'm not letting you wash my feet. You're my master. He's like, no, you don't understand what I'm doing. Let me do this. You need to do this. If not, you don't have a part with me. You need to let me wash you, or you're not a part of me. And then Peter's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then go ahead and wash all of me. Give me a full body wash. And Jesus is like, no, I don't need to do that. So, we don't need to bathe our whole body if just our feet are dirty, right? That's what he's trying to get at. So in a spiritual sense, a man who has been cleansed from sin does not need to think all is lost when he sins throughout his life, right? We don't want to say that just because we're saved doesn't mean we stop sinning, right? We still sin. We still mess up. We still fail. So since we didn't lose our salvation in the process— All we need to simply do is confess our sins and repent, and all will be forgiven. That's how simple it is. God has now forgiven us perpetually. And that's the kind of illustration that he's giving here is, if you're fully clean, except just your feet are dirty, then you don't need to take a full bath, right? So we are fully clean by the washing of Jesus' blood on the cross. We're fully clean, and we are considered righteous in God's eyes, but yet we still make mistakes, right? So our feet are a little dirty. Doesn't mean we need to get baptized all over again. Doesn't mean that our we have to go through the salvation process all over again. We're already there. We just need to clean ourselves of the areas that we got dirty, and we're okay. We need to see it like that. You never lose your salvation once you have it, Once saved, always saved. But when we do have errors in our life, or lapses of judgment, we do need to confess those sins, and we need to get back on track. And God will forgive us every time. In chapter 13, verse 34, he says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So this is not necessarily a brand new concept, right? Because, you know, the idea to love your neighbor as yourself was in the original law. So why is Jesus saying this is a new command? Well, there's a difference between just loving somebody and loving sacrificially. So He's wanting us to love like He loves, not necessarily loving your neighbor like you love yourself. We're no longer the object anymore. Christ is the object. We look to Him for how to love, and we love people like Christ loves us. And so that's what makes it a new commandment. Then in chapter 14, verse 6, we have another I am, perhaps the greatest I am. I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so he is the way he is the path to salvation he is the truth because he is the word of god and he is the life because he is god and no one comes to the father but through him there are so many religions out there that think that there are multiple paths to god or that general world view that there are many roads to heaven that you can get there through any of these religions, they all point to the same God. Well, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying that the path to salvation is through him only. It's an exclusive process. He is the gatekeeper of heaven and hell. No one comes to God except through Christ. So if you don't believe in Christ, then you have no salvation, because salvation is from Christ. Jesus Christ. That's very specific. There are no alternatives. There are no other options. You either accept Christ or you don't. It's that simple. Philip did not quite understand who he was dealing with, and you can tell that these disciples still didn't fully understand, because Philip said, show us the Father. And then Jesus says, I've been with you this long, and you don't know me yet, Philip. I am God in your midst. I am Emmanuel, God with us. I am not the Father, because I am a separate person of the Trinity, but he and I have the exact same nature, and he's telling me everything to say. My words are his words. Therefore, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am enough Verses 13 and 14 sometimes get taken out of context, so let's make sure we understand this. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Some people take this a little too far in one direction, because they think now he's some sort of genie, that we just ask him something, he'll give us whatever we want. But look how he framed the way he said it. Verse 13 especially. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Yes, he does say that, but listen to this part. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So whatever you're asking needs to glorify God. And if it does glorify God, he will answer and grant your request. But if we begin asking with selfish motives, it is something that does not align with his will something that is contrary to what he wants, he's not going to answer it positively in your favor. He's going to do what works for him. However, if we are fully invested with Christ, then everything that we do is going to be for his glory. And if we seek his glory continually, then we will pray for his glory to be manifest and for him to be glorified in the midst of this world so then, prayers will get answered, because it's not about you; it's about God and about other people seeing God for who He really is. So that it depends on how you pray and what your motivations are. Asking for everything material is not going to get answered. And it's like, "Well, this I guess this isn't true. That's not what it says. It doesn't glorify God. If it glorifies God, He will answer it. That's a promise." And most importantly, you want to get one foot in the door to understanding this, you have to follow verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's your proof right there. That's how you know you love God. You keep his commandments. All of them. Verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Very interesting statement. So obviously, we are supposed to perform works. The works don't save us. They are not an aspect of our salvation. They are an outward demonstration of what we believe, in obedience to Jesus Christ. So if the Christian faith works through love, which is the basis of all this, and the measure of our love is the extent by which we follow Christ's commandments. Well, then that makes sense, right? So, most importantly, we go to verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. It's contingent upon your obedience to the word of God. God will love you if you obey Christ. God loves you if you are saved by Christ. Do you see how this works? It's all based around Christ. God loves you sacrificially and unconditionally. But how do you show it back to him? You do what he said in the Bible. Some people can't get past this, and they say, well, the Lord never reveals anything to me. The Lord never answers my prayers. The Lord doesn't show me what I'm supposed to be doing. For one, he doesn't have to show you what he's doing. He is God. He does as he pleases. But first of all, how can you expect to get new revelations and new commands from God if you're not doing the original ones? There are many scriptures in the Bible to consider when it comes to obeying God. And if you're not doing them intentionally because you don't want to do it, then why is Christ going to listen to you? You are obviously disrespectful and not really loving him because it's inconvenient for you. That would really suck, right? That you're basing your religion and your relationship with God on convenience. Then it's not really about God. It's about you, isn't it? You see how this works? It can't be both ways. So let's get our priorities straight. In chapter 15, he calls himself the true vine. Now, this is a very powerful section of Scripture here about what it means for him to abide with you. To abide with him is to stay with him, to be in his presence and not leave it. In the same way, he will not depart his presence from you and not leave you if you abide with him. If he is the vine and we are the branches, branches fall off, they die. They don't grow by themselves. But if you are attached to the vine, then you will bear fruit, and you will grow your leaves, and you will be healthy. So he's showing here that apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. You try to be a Christian by yourself without the power of God, you will fail. You try to go through life without God, you will fail. You cannot achieve enlightenment on your own. You need God. You will fail. Apart from Christ, you can do absolutely nothing. Those that do not abide in Christ will be thrown into the fire, which is hell. It's very simple. It's the same language over and over throughout the Bible that we see. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, if he's supposed to be our example, we need to obey God just like Christ obeyed God. He is the role model that we need to follow in all ways. He reminds us in verse 16 that he chose us. We didn't choose him. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. He chose us. We didn't choose him. In our Physical state, we will never choose God. He says it again in verse 19 I chose you out of the world. Now, when it comes to the world hating us, it doesn't say that just because we're Christians we're going to be persecuted. Well, let's understand this properly. If you are doing your job as a Christian, yeah, you will be persecuted. Like it says in verse 20 A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you. Why? For my name's sake. We get this wrong as Christians today. So what is this saying? If you are working fervently to further the kingdom of God, you will go through persecution. If you're witnessing, if you're serving in your church, If you are living a humble, godly lifestyle, separating yourselves from the temptations of the world, you will look very different. You will look distinct. You will look unique and you will look like you don't belong. And that's what it means to be a Christian. However, if you are a Christian not obeying the Word of God, not doing anything with your faith, and then you have problems in your life and you say, oh, I'm being persecuted. That is not the same thing. Everyone goes through hard times. But there's a difference between just going through life struggles and being persecuted for your faith. If you never share the gospel with anybody and God's not challenging you in any sort of way, you have to ask yourself two hard questions. Are you even saved at all, first of all? But secondly is, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And if the answer is, no, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then you need to make an adjustment right now. You don't know how much time you have, but the time that you have needs to be used for the glory of God. That's why you're here. That's why you're still alive. You have a mission to complete, and he's given you one. So why don't we do that? Why don't we be good Christians? Show God that we love him by obeying his commandments. And we go and start saving souls. That will reap the benefits that God wants us to have. But the world will not hate you if you look like everybody else. You get what I'm saying? If you don't act like a Christian, you won't be persecuted. But God won't reward you. Pick a side. You either pick God's side or you pick the world's side, and the world will disappoint you every time. Satan will manipulate you as he sees fit, and then he'll discard you like he does everybody else. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.